to end if love remains a unique show spotlighting people ideas science culture and art your host mike lovett, mike lovett. thank you rachel and welcome to and if love remains i am your host mike lovett and i'm here with two i'm not going to say old friends two dear friends <laughs> Somebody we've, I've known for a long time, uh, Larry and Letitia Wilson, and I'm excited to have them on today. We're going to talk about, you know, I love, so I grew up in a, in a small little town um, called uh, Grass Valley, California, it's an old mining town, um, and it's got, um, you know, a lot of like cool history and ghost stories and like a lot of weird history that only the locals kind of know. Um, Nevada City's right there. It's very kind of a very strange. Um, and so I love like small towns with cool stories. And um, and they've helped publish this book, Stories from Kingman, Arizona, The Heart of Historic Route 66. It's written by Lauren B. Wilson, which is Larry's father. Um, and I'm excited to talk about this book, talk about um, Lauren, talk about you know your guys' relationship with it, and and let, let's start there, Larry. Where, talk about you now. You grew up in Kingman. Yeah, I grew up in Kingman. The family moved there in 1968. My dad was a school teacher. My mom taught a little bit of school and did daycare. But uh, dad loved history. Dad uh, taught it taught at the high school there till 87, and then retired. But before he retired, he started volunteering at the local museums. There's Mojave County Museum of History and Arts, and then there was the Powerhouse Museum, which which was started set up a little bit later. But he loved history. But Dad didn't teach history. Dad was an art teacher, um, which made him kind of a, a little avant-garde. Art and photography. Yeah, art and photography. So if you were to see a picture of him, he does look like a typical school teacher, <laughs> but he did function differently than that. And yeah, he, he loved history. Uh, he actually wrote a small, uh, smaller book prior to this. It, uh, it was listing uh, obituaries. <laughs> From, in from, the area, from, in, in the in the area for I don't know, like I'll say the last eighty years. Oh wow, how cool is that? And <laughs> that's he, wild. He actually had a family friend that came up to him and said, "Lauren, I I did not know where my dad was buried at, and I read your book and I found out where my father was final resting place was. So she was very thankful. Wow." Wow. But 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 Dad just loved history. Uh, he would he 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 worked at the museum. He vol well he, he volunteered. volunteered at the museum. Uh, he would tell people stories. He would talk with people and and gather more stories. And then he started <clears throat> writing, putting some of these stories on paper and submitting them to the local newspaper the miner the kingman daily miner kingman daily miner uh 
and he would submit them and then somebody said you know Lauren you should write a book and he thought oh, that's a great idea of course mom probably w wouldn't have been real excited about it she but... wasn't she <laughs> thought it was silly but dad uh, probably 2004 started compiling his book okay and uh, this was just a second book but it, I think there's quite a more content than his first little book on <laughs> on a database of local obituaries <laughs> but uh by he, the way i would <laughs> find a book on obituaries kind of fascinating to learn about the local people like yeah all these like just story because you just learn it like you get just get a snapshot of so many people's lives you know yeah. that's, that's kind of interesting to never thought about that but I don't know how much if it talked about the history of the people that are there that are buried, but he helped identify markers. And one of the oh, okay. stories in this book talks about helping to identify markers, uh, grave markers, and oatmen because and of Gold the Road. because of the erosion that occurs to these markers, even if they're on stone, especially if they're on wood. Yeah. And so, if you read the book you, in oatmen, you'll see there was a trick that they used with the mirror to get the reflective etching off of there. Oh wow! And and, I'm sorry. and he used the mirror and he was able to read the faint marking of the person's name oh no kidding so, so he took it one step further he wrote it all wrote all these names down cataloged them and then went and made metal stamped tags with the person's names and went went back to this old gold road cemetery which was just outside of oatman and installed these metal stamp names which would last a long time yeah on these grave markers and he, and later on he would have other additional people come up to said lord i knew my father was buried in this cemetery i did not know which one they they were totally illegible i really appreciate what you've done sure and then they would give him uh, you know, uh, a, a token gift to show yeah. their appreciation. What what a great service! That's really fantastic. Yeah, he ha he and a friend did it. Yeah, he had a friend that did it with him. I forgot the name of the gentleman that helped him, but um, so he we will occasionally refer to what dad did at the museums as a docent and for those of you that don't know that a docent and a volunteer are the same thing but for some reason at that museum they refer to themselves as docents okay and so as a docent and someone who loving history the way dad was he would gather stories to tell people as he took them around the museum showing them different things and he got very involved and his story people just enjoyed his story so he was a really great great storyteller he would often tell us some of the stories too yeah so when he went to write the book he writes it as as he's talking telling a story and um the original book uh, for some reason dad decided to self-publish i just don't know if he didn't have a contact for a publisher or just didn't want to go that route do we know he self-published. Uh, he took it to the local printer. The local printer says in Kingman. In Kingman, yeah, and says okay, minimum thousand copies at this unit price. Are you still interested? And of course, Dad was interested. Yeah, and he wanted to get his story out. I, I, I don't think his goal was to be able to retire early or become wealthy. <laughs> he was just, already he, retired at the time. He just wanted to get his book out there. Right leave his legacy yeah. so he um 
sold them through the local museum, the Mojave County Museum of Art and History. History and Art. History and Art. That's there. Um, is it just off of Beale Street? Right there where 66... Where, where Andy, Devine, and Beale intersect. Yeah, where they intersect there in Kingman. And he sold a lot of copies. As a matter of fact, between that and a friend of the family who had a beauty shop and she would peddle the books there, he actually sold all of his books. Oh, wow. Um, well, he gave away several. Yeah, he actually was able to distribute all of the books <laughs> that he had. And then shortly after he passed away, they ran out of books. They ran out of books. Ah. And we weren't sure what to do with that legacy we had it but we didn't know what to do with it and, yeah and the museum contacted the family and wanted more books but at that point we didn't have any but at dad's memorial service larry's sister lucretia fast ordered more books from h and h printing yeah to, to be able to hand out for to people who attended the memorial service right and it, it, it was just a small run and uh that was 2016 and at that point the museum had run out of books was hoping for some more there were no more printed because you know it 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 it, it was a good sized capital investment to go through the local printer yeah and we we told the the museum uh you're welcome to print more of your uh, your own uh the local printer has electronic copy you can do it well you know they're in the business of of you know presenting the history and selling books not printing books right right and it's a museum so they didn't want to make a large investment in just one single book yeah basically so it had gone out of print and you know we were i don't want to say we were grieving the loss of it being in print but you know we realized that it really wasn't probably going to go anywhere by the way when when was the original book when was it published first published uh my guess would be probably 2005, 2006 okay. time frame. Okay, so we're talking, yeah. Um, he was working on it when I when I was at Sterling Energy Systems okay. between 2003 and 2005. Okay, so the early aughts. Yeah, yeah. the early aughts, <laughs> think, yes. Yeah. Anyway, and so, you know, it had gone out of publication and like I said, it was it was something that you know we knew in the back of our minds we probably would not do anything with. Uh, you know, fast forward to uh, was it 20, 2021. 2021, we took a vacation with some uh, dear friends of ours, <laughs> like you said, not all but dear friends of ours, and um, in Knoxville, Tennessee. In Knoxville, Tennessee, and Lisa. Well, Derek and Lisa are as I said, dear friends of ours. And Lisa Solon has a publishing company called Climbing Angel. And we were familiar with her work and we were also familiar with the fact that she was a playwright. She's written uh, several one-man plays. Uh, her, probably her uh, most well-known one would be the one about Sergeant York. But anyway, we were visiting her and she also teaches writing at Maryvale College there. And we were talking about the publishing business and what it was like. And Larry shared the story about his father and what that publishing was like, you know, because it was dad who did it all himself. There was no editing. There was no publisher. Right. It was just him having a printer put it together for him. And uh, Larry was talking about what the process was like. And Lisa said to us, 
not only can I help you with that book and help you edit it, um, I can get you a better price and we can- A smaller minimum quantity. And a smaller quantity. And then we discuss the fact whether the book was or wasn't copyrighted through the Library of Congress. Uh, and so she helped us with the whole process. That's wonderful. You, you can go online, fill out a form, pay a fee, send them an electronic copy, which, which uh, local publisher, printer and heirs in Kingman was willing to give me an electronic copy. Okay. Which was super, super helpful because you don't want to recreate a book, even one of this size. Right. And um, Well, it's a good size. I mean, it's what, it's, uh, 200 pages? Yeah, 200, 200 plus pages. And uh, submitted the electronic copy, went through, answered the questions, talked to Lisa, says, need to answer it this way this way this way this way yeah and it's officially copyrighted that's fantastic yeah so we own the copyrights to it and we just discussed several aspects of it the original book was called stories from kingman right yes so we discussed the fact that it there's a water tower in kingman that says the heart of route 66 and Lisa was like, you know, that is so intriguing when you think about how many people love Route 66 and how many people travel from other countries to come here to the United States and drive along Route 66. Yeah. She felt we should incorporate it into the title. And that's what we did. And yeah, that's why it, it says that now. I think it's great. And, and Route 66 is just a landmark place. And, you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, Kingman is, is one of those places that, you know, is in song it's in, yeah. you know it, it, get your kicks on route 66 <laughs> exactly. and it's one of the little towns that are mentioned in the it song sure is what so in fact i'm curious about um kind of just the general history of kingman um like what talk, talk what do you know about like the the it, it was a railroad town okay uh i think the founding was 1880 uh lewis kingman was uh, the project manager for putting the railroad through Kingman. Okay. And they set up the, the camps for the, the workers that worked on the railroad. I, I think there's a lot of Chinese laborers that were involved yeah. uh, to help build it. Uh, and it, 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 it... And it was a link like between, um, so 1880, so it was, a, it was I'm trying to think of where what it was. It was linking between California and the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably um, L.A. and probably like St. Louis. Well, uh, let me Omaha. Let let me back up. Route 66, I believe, starts in the Chicago area. Yeah, you're not going to find a lot of remains of it, but it runs across the country. Uh, through the lower Midwest, uh, New Mexico, you know, North Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, California, and I think finally ends at like Santa Monica. So, so does the the road Route sixty six does it follow the old uh, train line, basically, or um, well, it, it, to... it, it crosses paths a couple times. Okay. So you have to consider that it before even before Route sixty six. Uh, was there it was a well-traversed area that people went through yeah. because Camp Bill Springs which is mentioned in the books was a stop for stagecoaches 
So gotcha. this was how people got across the northern part of Arizona. My guess being because there's so many mountain ranges here, it was more of a straight shot going across. And so when Route 66, the train and Route 66 were developed, they went through that route because, you know, a, it was a well-worn path yeah. that was going through that area. And it was cool. used for a mail stop. And if, yeah, if you're heading towards Southern California, you're definitely going to go that route and not traverse over the Rockies, you know. Cool. Part of that route was established by Lieutenant Beale. Right. In the late 1800s. Which is another story in the book. Which is another story in the book. He, since he was doing it part of the desert area, he recruited a, a camel trainer from the Middle East and camels and used a camel expedition to chart a route that would later become parts of Route 66 because okay. it followed a certain latitude across the United States, which correlated with Route 66. Okay, and so you get camels out into the desert. Of course, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, it was, well, it was a trial experiment with, through the government, right? Yeah, yeah. It was sponsored through yeah, the government. You know what? The government-funded experiments. That <laughs> they work. always work out well. Well, there's a, there's actually a movie. It was in the 70s called Homps, okay. H-A-W-P-S. had slim pickings in it. <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember it because I know we're a little older than you are, but I remember going to the theater and seeing this movie. And of course, it's a comedy, right? Right, right, right. Right. But, you know, the, the escapades of bringing camels over from from the Middle East and utilizing them in our desert, which is a little different than their desert, but you need camel wranglers right <laughs> and, and the person they the gentleman they used from middle east was haji ali but people couldn't pronounce his name so they called him high jolly yeah and you know what you've been to waldo's barbecue with us yes the gift shop next door yes called high jolly oh that is beautiful <laughs> and, and and another piece of trivia in the little town of quartzite on the arizona border is where High Jolly is, is interred. No way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a little memorial where he is interred. Wow. That's cool. Um, all right. So let's talk about some of the, some of your favorite stories that are in the book and, and you know, what some of your, you know, what the, okay. First of all, we have to discuss the, the uh, uh, elephant in the room chapter three which is maybe the greatest title I, I i was saying off air that i i need to name a, a an album this this name whistling dick's parrot come on how is that not like the greatest <laughs> title of something ever um, <laughs> um so the, it's a collection of stories that dad put together uh, a collection, the book is, yeah. yeah and uh, there's 50 chapters. Each chapter is a short story, typically two to three pages long. Yeah. So it's a quick read. Easy read. Yes, yeah. super easy. And it's fun. And so there's some stories that as you read them, you realize he's quoting someone that he's interviewed. And Whistling Dick's Parrot, which is chapter three in, in this book, um, you read it, and as I'm reading it, some it is someone else that is telling the story and in the beginning of it dad says he interviewed glenn johnson who was a longtime kingman resident and, and friend he, of dad's and he begins to tell the story about this parrot that's in this this uh 
parrot figurine that is in the cemetery. And as I'm reading this story, I'm like, I don't understand what the significance is of this parrot <laughs> yeah. in, in the cemetery, that it has a grave marker and that there is a parrot that is there. So um, and if when you get the book and you read chapter three, I am be more than happy to hear your theory on what's happening in chapter three. <laughs> Apparently, there was a parrot that was shared through several different people in Kingman. Oh, that and, is funny. And it's just, like I said, it's just a little story about the quirkiness of people at the time yeah. or in Kingman. <laughs> yeah. No, a little, a little ambiance, a little, a little flavor of the time. Yeah, yeah. That's, yes. That's great. Yes. But um, one of the things that I love about the book and one of the things that I find myself in promoting the book is talking about different stories about uh, famous people that passed through Kingman. You know, yes, we have stories about the... Uh, about the people, the locals that were there, and some of their little stories. Um, one in particular that Larry seems to like is the Bat Guano Mines that are over in... Grand Canyon West on the, the Wallapai Reservation. Okay. And uh, Bill Friday is a family friend, and the story talks about... And contractor. And the story talks about him working there. And for those of you that don't know what Bat Guano is, it is the... It's bat scat. Yeah. <laughs> and they found it in they found it in abundance in a cave over there. And, and the reason why it's really important is because before we before using petroleum, you would use bat guano to like help it be the nitrogen source for fertilizers. Yeah, yeah, like it was that. it was a great fertilizer. Yeah. So they were excavating it out of there. So you know, it talks about those kinds of interesting stories. Uh, you know, like you said, the ambiance, the flavor of the area, and the people, uh, and Mr. Friday is still uh, in, living in Kingman. Yes. Okay. But, but some of the famous people that are highlighted in the book, which um, I love talking to people about, is like um, the old cowboy actor, Andy Devine, uh -huh. who uh, played with Guy Madsen in, what was the name of that show? I always forget off the top of my head. But um, Andy Devine was born in Flagstaff, Arizona, and was raised in Kingman. And his uh, parents owned the famous Beale Hotel. Managed it. Excuse me. Yeah, they managed the Beale Hotel. And from what um, I recall, it's not open anymore, is it? Currently, it's not open. Yeah. It, it has been open off and on over the years. Okay. It's kind of a landmark there along Andy Devine Avenue. Okay. Right. Across so from the train station. So Andy was was kind of a local celebrity. He got his own street named after him in right. Kingman. So if you go to Kingman, you can actually get off on Andy Devine uh, Avenue. Yeah. Is that the one that goes crossways? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And a lot. And there's a lot of truck stops there. And if you get off on Andy Devine, where uh, the street that's been named after him. Uh, there's a little street that shows up on the west side that's called Airway. And I always thought it was interesting that there's this little street here named Airway just around, what, it's just around a gas station and, and uh, I'm going to say Carl's Jr. or something that's right there. And when you start reading the book, you find out that Airway was where the original airport was. That Air was there. Oh. Airway and Banks, it, it, was, it wasn't the original airport. Charles Lindbergh 
started in an airmail route across the United States. Right. And at that time, the airplanes had a certain range, so he would need to set up small airports to allow them to stop and refuel. Okay. And Kingman happened to be along the route, and he set up a small airport there as a refueling stop. And I think there's not much not much evidence left of it but but there was an actual airport there that that Lin, Mr. Charles Lindbergh was involved in setting up right so so there's the story about Charles Lindbergh being in Kingman running <laughs> that airport bringing people in from California or across the country um, if you visit the local museum the Mojave Museum of History and Art you will see they actually have a hotel register from the Hotel Beale that Charles Lindbergh and his wife Ann Morrow signed <laughs> as proof that they've been through the area. That's great. Yeah, so I mean, but going back to Andy Devine, he was a local son that was loved there in Kingman, and so they named a road after him, and they have Andy Devine days uh -huh. in mid-October in late, se late September every Sorry, year. Sorry, late September. <laughs> and uh, um, just as a little bit of a tidbit, it's not mentioned in the book, but Larry's dad being, was considered a local historian. And one year he actually was in the parade on the Wells Fargo stagecoach. So oh, we have fun. pictures of him up there, you know, getting or beforehand getting ready and being up on the stagecoach as he goes by us. So, you know, he, he was, this is a disappointing thing for us. He was actually supposed to be the Grand Marshal of the parade that year, wasn't he? Yes. And you know he what He was happened? invited to be Grand Marshal. Okay. So, do you want to... So, every year, as just a courtesy, they extended an invitation to the current seat of Arizona Governor. Okay. To be the Grand Marshal. To be yeah. the Grand Marshal. Well, no... No Governor ever No, the Governor <laughs> says yes. Well, uh, Governor Janet Napolitano says, yeah, I'll, I'll show up. <laughs> So, so she was Grand Marshal, and Dad was in the, I guess the next, next coach back. So, right. you know, he he was still excited about about the honor of it all, and you know, there there was a special luncheon for him and the governor and the, the other participants in oh, the fun. in the Wells Fargo uh, lead stage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know, here all these years, <laughs> before and since, the governor has been invited to be the, the grand marshal. The king, or in this case, the queen has arrived. Yes. <laughs> and the year that Dad was going to be the grand marshal, Jen Napolitano says, "Yes, I will be there." <laughs> oh. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, um, Larry? What's one, one or two of your favorite stories that, that are in the book that people will find? Uh, I, I, I think my favorite story was about Lindbergh, but I, I'm also very fascinated with uh, Lieutenant Beale's uh, expedition slash experiment slash uh, camel expedition. Yeah. And the fact that he used camels to, to plot this route along a certain latitude. I, I should know what, what the number is, but I don't. But he... He used camels and plotted a route uh, for the U.S. government and set up a camp there on the west side of town, which is called Field Springs, which is a springs that runs year-round to the state. And uh, they, they will actually...
you get uh, make a reservation through Mojave County Museum of History and Arts and they will uh, give you a tour of the area where uh, Beale Springs is. And dad was involved with helping to develop that area. He was also an amateur archeologist. Oh, wow. So that, you know, his interest in history, his interest in art, this, that just made sense. Yeah. And so he, would, he went out to that area and helped with some excavation in that area. And L the a lot of cleanup, it, it, had, it had set idle and probably vandalized for many years. So. Yeah. He, he organized crews to go out there and do cleanup and uh, put up some fencing and, you know, create some nice walking paths and make sure some of the, the debris was cleaned out from, from where the spring flowed. Yeah. What about um, the relationship? Obviously, you know, the 1880s is a, you know interesting time in American history. What about the, the, the um, relationship between um, Kingman and the, and the Native Americans and um, is there any kind of reference to that is there stories about there are several stories the local natives in the area were called the Wallapais and the mountain range that is out the east end of the town west yeah. south, southeast south, end, south of the end of the town is called the Wallapais mountains yeah because the, the there were actually the Wallapai Indians before the reservation was set up in Peach Springs along Highway 66, east of Kingman, the the Wallapais lived in the the Wallapai Indians lived in the Wallapai Mountains. Yeah, there's okay. a story in the book that talks about how when the uh, military comes through, and of course they're setting up these forts to try and protect the white people, the, the west, settlers. the westward, yeah, the westward movement that's going on. Um, because the native culture was that animals or anything out there was available to them to be able to harvest and to use as they chose. While once the settlers are coming through, they're bringing their cattle, they're bringing their horses, they're bringing oh, their yeah. livestock. And so the idea was to protect the possessions of these people that were coming through. And I recall the story correctly. It even talks about how they actually would uh, take meat they would they the the fort would have meat and give it to the natives the wallapais so that they wouldn't be raiding the settlers as they're going across the country right and uh, and of course the wallapais um they kind of took offense to it because they're used to providing for themselves sure you know yeah. but there there's a whole thing if you read the chapter of uh, i think there's a couple of chapters about the wallapies but there's one where they talk about the papers the wallapie papers that were with the uh, government back east washington dc and outlined you know specifically what was what was available to them and what have you and of course the interesting thing in the book which is a conversation we had to have was the government wrote so the wallapai indians um their languages is very different than ours so the way that it was spelled i believe it was the spaniards that did the original spelling of how to spell the wallapais and it's spelled H-U-A-L-A-P-A-I, which means people of the mountains. Okay. Which is what they called themselves. But when the government in D.C. started to write the Wallapai papers, they spelt with W. In lieu of the H-U. 
So, because because nobody knows how to do anything right in D.C. Well, exactly. <laughs> so when you're reading, when we were reading the books and we're looking back through the history, we see Wallapai spelled with a W, and see we see Wallapai spelled H-U-A, and we're like, which one is correct? And the reality of it is, is you can't change the fact that these legal documents are spelled with a W. Yeah. Even though they, to to this date, they will spell it with the H-U. So, <laughs> yeah, so but their culture didn't have letters, have di letters in lang different languages have different sounds. Sure. And it's, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, <laughs> I know it's one, it's one of those little trivial things in the book that we're like back and forth. Well, we can't change it. It's a government document. We yeah, can't, yeah. but any place else that it's spelled wrong, we can change it and spell yeah. it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're getting one other, I uh, one other question I have is because we're getting close to Halloween, which is one of my favorite holidays, and it's wonderful. Are there any, like, cool, like, Kingman ghost stories? Uh, there, you know, there, there, <laughs> there, there is a ghost, well, there's a ghost story. There is a canyon, uh, Sturt Road goes through a canyon that goes on, like, the southeast side of town. Okay. It starts at the Wallopi Mountain Road, uh, and heads off and curves around the south side of town and then it runs into the old town Kingman on the south side of town and it's called Luana Canyon. Okay. And the rumor is it is haunted by the ghost of Luana which was a native um, a Wallapai woman that met an untimely end. Oh, okay. Now I've never seen Luana but uh, several people have said that that they have seen Luana. Wow. Okay. Dad doesn't mention that story in here. That's not one of the stories in here, and I'm not sure if that's just because it's legend to him or what the situation yeah. is. Yeah, that one would be a little bit harder to fact check. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, a lot of the stories. I think a lot of the. Uh, with advertising the book and talking about the different stories that are in here, it's interesting what people will tell me, oh, I never knew that about Kingman, or yes, I did know that about Kingman. And one of the stories is about the Doxall explosion in um, 1975, I believe. 1975, which was, um, at that time, Kingman had a volunteer fire department. Yeah, okay. strictly volunteer. And... We, and were they trying to they were take 40? Uh, they were unloading a propane tank on a rail car into uh, uh, deliver into to shipping trucks. Okay. And they were doing it on a hot day. Apparently they weren't following the, the correct procedure and it caught on fire. Oh no. They tried to extinguish it against proper protocol and it exploded oh. and it killed 11 volunteer firefighters and then there was a uh, one or two delivery people that were in the immediate area that that were also killed oh and there and, were a lot of bystanders that were too close should not have been there yeah they they they, they were probably a block or so away and they they were watching the fire and then that's when the explosion happened 
and a lot of the spectators were also received burns. Oh man! So there's a memorial in Kingman in the park, by Centennial Park, Centennial Park, um, to the firefighters that the volunteer firefighters that right. lost their life doing that. But um, we have we have a friend who is a fire who was a firefighter for Tempe Fire for a long time, and Larry mentioned this story about the Doxall explosion, and he goes, "You know what?" That is part of firefighter training, where we are all told about that explosion and how it was not properly and, and, managed. And, and they, they would teach the new firefighters now what the proper procedure for, for combating yeah. a, a propane fire like so, that. What, what, what do we learn from this, boys and girls? You're an example either way. You're an example of how to do it or how not to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Well, um, I want to thank you guys for coming in. And tell us how, if somebody wants to buy this book, I think there's a lot of people who love history, who love um, like obscure history. And it, it's, what's, what's crazy is Kingman um, is such in the center of like it's on the outskirts of so many central things yes. you know it's on the way to la it's on the way to vegas it's on it's just like it's, it's on the way to the grand canyon on the way to the grand canyon to it, laughlin yeah it's, it's to the river it's really like this this central hub that that um a lot of things kind of come together on so i i think a lot of people would enjoy oh um, yeah and and the book and is story. the book is full of some interesting little stories i mean we talked a little bit about charles Lindbergh. we talked a little bit about andy vine but it also talks about louis lamore son who was looking for some information on his dad okay. when he was passing through town it talks about um camp beale springs and lieutenant beale there's also the story about um uh, Roy Purcell, who was an artist in the area and the work that he did at the museum and different things that are there. So if you'd like to get a copy of the book, we have, um, we're distributing them ourselves. We have the, we do have one location that they're being sold out. So if you're in the Kingman area, you're welcome to go to the Mojave Museum of History and Art. They have copies of it. But if you'd like to get a copy from us, we would be more than happy to help you with that. Um, the way to get a copy from us is via email. Uh, the email address starts with the number one, and the rest of the of it is l a r y l e t i at gmail.com. So it's a combination of Larry and Mai's name. And I'll and I'll go ahead and I'll put that in the in the description. So um, just yeah, click on it, send them an email with your address with your address, and they'll. You know they'll, they'll get you a copy we would more we would more than uh love to what, get you a copy. for the uh for the nominal price of 14 dollars, including shipping all right 14 dollars, and you get this great piece of history um and yeah so 15. check out stories from kingman arizona the heart of historic route 66 by lauren b wilson larry and leticia thanks for coming is there anything else you want to add before we sign off well thank you for inviting us yes, over and uh helping us to carry on my father's legacy it, it was a pleasure it's a great legacy and uh yeah i think i think a lot of people will really enjoy it so you thanks for coming in everyone you've been listening to and if love remains
first of 22 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. Trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization down. 